Hello, and welcome to the Nutrition and Life Podcast. This is where we look at various nutrition and fitness-related topics through the lens of application. We want to give you practical takeaways so that you can create your healthiest, best self backed by knowledge. Now, on to the episode with your host, Coach Lisa. Hello, and welcome back to the Nutrition and Life Podcast. My name is Lisa. I'm your host. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about nine habits that are holding you back and how to change that. First of all, if you enjoy the show, please do me a favor, give me a rating, a review, share it on your social media. It's the best way to help me grow. And secondly, I just want to give you a little bit of an update. I'm recording this in December. You're likely listening it, listening to it in January. So happy new year already. <laughs> um, but yes, we are just ramping up towards Christmas. It's December 11th and I'm over here in Colombia. Uh, everything is super hectic. Traffic is twice as bad. People are going crazy shopping. Of course, it's, you know, sort of like this everywhere in the world. But then the great thing that I'm always looking forward to is that between Christmas and actually like the 9th or 10th of January, it's like a ghost town here. <laughs> I love it. Um, it's, it's awesome if you want to get anywhere. And in, just in general, for my more introverted nature, um, it's just very peaceful. Um, but personally, I have just uh, taken new progress pictures comparing my... I guess, glute gains and just general physique to um, three months ago, September, when I last posted um, some progress pictures on my Instagram and also comparing the pictures to a year ago. And I have to say, I am really, really happy with my glute development in particular, um, especially the glute medius or like that upper kind of part that makes it look more round from the top as opposed to like saggy. Um, that is something which I had realized was really lag lagging or lagging behind um, when I kind of started more of the isolation work because in traditional like free weight training, we hardly ever do like just isolated abductions. And, um, you know, you might be doing sumo squats or deadlifts, um, but if you don't have access to an actual like abduction machine or a cable machine, uh, every now and then you might warm up with like a band around your knees and do like uh, lateral walks or clams. But I just never really had those in my program aside from for a warm up. So I truly feel like just by incorporating or having incorporated abductions on basically a um, like two to three times per week sort of basis. Um, essentially every time I do a lower body day, <laughs> um, it's really, really made a difference in terms of shaping my glutes. I also have to admit to myself that I've actually lost strength um, in comparison to before I have come here into um, like last year, I guess, uh, to like September 2022. Um, and that might come to a, as a surprise to some of the listeners, but um, really strength and hypertrophy are not necessarily the same thing. When people get started with strength training, um, yes, most of the time both go up, but the more advanced we get, um, that is not the case. So anyway, I'm going to do a separate episode just on training uh, at some stage uh, down the road, not too far in the future. Um, but generally speaking, of course, if you're interested in training with our training app, uh, it's $25.99 US per month. There is no minimum commitment. Um, we'd love to have you. <laughs> you can always try, give it a try and see if you like it. It's just easy because it gives you kind of guidance with videos, with um, rest times in between. You can log your the weights that you use um, and all of 
that. Um, and of course, we also have coaching spots available when it comes to nutrition coaching. So just head over to our website to sign up there or to fill out your um, free uh, contact strategy form. And we'd love to just go over how we can help you get towards your goals as well. Aside from that, um, as you're listening to this in January, I might already have been uh, back to the States by that time. I'm going to a conference. It's called the Fat Muscle Academy in mid-January from January like 15th to the 18th or 19th. Um, I'm going to be um, part of the... Well, don't want to call it panel, but I'm going to be one of the hosts there for one day um, or presenting. Um, I'm really excited to have partnered up there and with or have been invited um, by Fat Muscle, essentially a really great supplement company and also coaching company more in the physique space. And then towards the end of the month of January, I'm going to the Hybrid Health Summit. So in case this is airing before that and you're living close to Florida, grab your ticket and also come to that. But I don't want to hold this up any longer. Let's get into the nine habits that are holding you back. So firstly, this is a bit of a pet peeve of mine and unfortunately seen very frequently and I know everyone is busy, but one thing that I don't like and I think is holding a lot of people back is actually eating on the go. So not actually sitting down, not being mindful. I'm going to uh, make smoothies or shakes the exception there because they're kind of designed for that. <laughs> and I think whenever we have those, we should keep in mind, hey, this is really something um, that's made to be easily digested and um, to be consumed on the go. We're not really stressing our um, um, digestive system with that. But since it is liquid, um, we might be hungry sooner than if we like had the same amount of calories and had to chew them essentially. But what I think is much worse, quote unquote, is just like grabbing a sandwich and like literally eating it as you're walking or, um, you know, other handheld things. Um, even eating in the car, it's just, it's not the same experience. And I know in some cultures, it's more common than in others. Like when I, like, I know that for instance, on average, probably in the US, a lot more people eat on the go than let's say, well, here definitely also definitely a lot of people eat on the go with all the street carts around. But in Europe, it's a lot, um, used to be anyway, a lot less common. Nowadays, it's also become a lot more common with more convenient things to take away or I guess sandwiches and stuff have always been um, sort of a thing too. But what I want to say is please take the time, at least as it on a park bench or whatever, or even if it's sitting down at your desk for five minutes, um, but focusing on your food, get give your body the chance to actually realize and recognize that it's supposed to be digesting right now, that you're eating, I swear you're going to enjoy it a lot more. It's going to feel like it lasts longer and satiation is going to be higher also. I like to argue that sometimes it, it might not actually cost you that much time. Like most people have three to five minutes that they could take from somewhere else where they might be scrolling through their phone, where they might be, I don't know, um, just wasting time in other ways or being un not efficient. Um, so that is really a big thing for me. Next time you're like grabbing taco from a taco stand, 
at, at least sit down for them. Or if you're getting food from a takeaway menu, wait uh, wait until you get home from a drive through. Wait until you get home. I know it's that temptation of like, oh, you're smelling it already. It might be, you know, just grabbing a couple of pieces out of the bag. Um, but this is actually a great way to like practice not just patience, but just also that delay in um, gratification to to a sense and like proving to yourself that you can wait. I used to have this thing when I was little where me and my dad, if we ever, if we went to the cinema, we'd always, or to the movies, we'd always um, forbid each other, I guess, <laughs> to an extent, but in a play, in a very playful, fun way to start eating the popcorn until the movie actually started. And so like sitting through all those ads and just waiting for the actual movie to start, it was just this huge buildup. And of course you kind of like enjoyed the ads, but then once the movie started and you saw that big thing, whatever movie company uh, it was by flying across the screen and blah blah blah, blah. now it's the the actual start of the movie it it like I was so excited for it as opposed to as soon as you're given the popcorn and then even while you're still standing in line sort of fishing for your money you're already snacking on a few of them it's not the same thing let's like celebrate or enjoy our food a little bit more Point number two, I'm going to move on from this. <laughs> Second habit that might be holding you back is whenever you're eating out, you don't want to be that awkward person who asks for dressings or sauces on the side. Why? There are, like, I swear the waiters are going to be used to people making awkward requests, and if they're not, they need to remember as a customer, you're a paying customer, <laughs> you're more or less, you know, the, 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 the king here. So um, essentially, it shouldn't make that much of a difference or difficulty for them to place the dressing or sauces on the side. There are certain dishes or certain times where people are like, oh, I'm sorry, it's already mixed in with XYZ. It's been marinating in that. Um, but then at least you know. Um, but just because you don't want to be that awkward person that's just asking, hey, uh, is it possible to have this salad with dressing on the side without the peanuts? And uh, can I switch the feta for an extra boiled egg or whatever it is, right? Um, it's just like it, it might feel awkward for 30 seconds for you. But then afterwards, you get exactly what you want, and you're able to regulate the, your own quantity when it comes to the things that add up so easily in calories, which is the dressings and the oils and so on. So sometimes even um, I, I have some clients that are very comfortable with this. They're even comfortable to ask, oh, how much, uh, how many grams exactly is that fish fillet? Is it actually um, marinated before it's being grilled? Are you able to poach it instead? Like some people, they just build up that confidence from time to time. You don't have to make an entire scene out of it where it holds up the entire group for 20 minutes. That's not what I'm saying, but usually a small request like that, just trying to remember that every single time can make a big difference. That brings me to part number three or to habit, which might be holding you back number three. And that is not accounting for these extra little bites, licks, your child's food, and generally just having too many estimations or mindless snacking overall, where you're not even like really taking it in. So in terms of the bites and licks, often um, 
especially when we get further down the road in a dieting phase, this kind of increases and sometimes it creeps up on us and we even we don't even notice it. We might be like licking the spoon more and not accounting for that. Like we're tasting foods more. It's just something like within us where we're subconsciously trying to cheat ourselves a little bit, <laughs> but we need to, need to bring that awareness back there. Of course, initially, if you're just starting out, we don't need to be hyper-focused on everything, but of course, if you can have awareness of all the little things that do add up and might account for an extra 100, 200 calories per day um, right away, then it's going to make that easier later down the road when um, weight loss might be stalling and we can just identify or pinpoint where um, where we can, I guess, tighten the tighten things a little bit more. So extra little bites when tasting things, when um, especially like if you're sitting um, together at the table with m many others and someone might have ordered something different and they're like, oh, try some of this, try some of that. Um, Try to at least make a mental note of that. I'm not saying you need to be super accurate of it, but make a mental note. And at the end of the meal, you could log something like a random quick add calories or just a random uh, 10 grams of carbs or like something so that you're at least like erring on the side of caution. Um, I can imagine that this is very difficult, especially in some of these like Middle Eastern cultures. Some of you might be listening from Dubai or from um, uh, we even have like client in, in Egypt or, um, you know, other Mediterranean places, more like Spain or so, where it's just more common to share. And nowadays there are more restaurants that um, offer that quote unquote family style sort of eating, which makes it harder to track, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but yeah, keeping a mental picture of what you're eating and still accounting for all that is really super important. Um, you're eating or finishing your child's food totally falls into that category. I'm not a mom, but um, from what I hear or see, it's, you know, hardly ever eat kids everything that's on their plate. And then you're like, if, if it's three bites, you think like, oh, what a waste. I don't want to throw that away. Um, but yeah, I mean, you could save that. You could give it to the neighbor's chickens or you could save that and just have it like later as a planned snack or um, save that for your child or just really getting into the habit of putting very little on your child's plate so that they're getting used to just eating what's in front of them, I guess. Um, but we definitely don't want to go down that rabbit hole of like, you need to finish everything that's on your plate. We've spoken about this before. Um, that's not a good thing to be installing to your child. <laughs> Although, I mean, they should learn to try some of everything and to making sure they eat their vegetables and some protein too. <laughs> um, but yeah, the other thing with mindless snacking that I was meaning was like sometimes we're sitting in front of the couch and you're just like it's just that act of like more or less numbing almost where you just eat and you're almost you're not necessarily tasting what you're what you're really taking in or just having a big bite or some of something and not actually savoring it because you're so distracted so try to account for all of it and try to make sure that the food that you're eating is actually what you want to eat habit that might be holding you back number four is you think you're consistent enough with your training or just in general with your tracking and so on and then if we do a tally and you aim to do like three trainings per week and it's consistently like a 1.5 because 
one week might not have happened at all and then next week three times and then maybe two times and then you missed another session because you had something with your hip or like whatever so be realistic with yourself and then once you take that whole tally um i mean don't beat yourself up over it but think how can you improve on that would maybe something like four aiming for four times 20 minutes work a lot better for you than three times 60 or 75 minutes maybe or is it just a matter of getting a bit of a kick in the butt or um, scheduling those workouts with a friend or with a trainer so that you're actually sticking with them as well um, most people really most people overestimate highly and there are studies on this where, that people overestimate their activity a lot where they think, oh, well, but I did a little bit of walking there and then actually I put so much effort into my training. I'm like exhausted afterwards. Um, mind you, I skipped this and that, and but whatever. Like on average, we think we have a really high activity level and calorie output. And on average, we underestimate how much we're actually eating. So just keep that in mind. Also, those activity trackers don't help on that front because they grossly... Um, overestimate our activity so um, you know if you're doing your your spin class or so and it's telling you oh I ate, nine, ate 900 calories burned I hate to break it to you that's really not the case it might be more like 400 even if you gave it your all but um, they're just really not that accurate so anyway get real with yourself when it comes to your consistency also tracking you know four and a half days of the week that's really not a very consistent effort at all. We're not saying you need to be perfect, but you need to be consistent. So like rather tracking every single day, but maybe um, being over or under your calories here and there, um, or maybe just estimating um, uh, two times per week when you're eating out, um, but not estimating everything. So again, we want to move away from those extremes, but still being real with yourself. Point uh, number five or habit that might be holding you back, number five, is not having enough carbs or any carbs around your training. Um, taking this with the caveat that perhaps as you get to the end of a dieting phase or as you are um, just your calories are just really low, um, you might be training fasted in the morning. I personally actually really enjoy um, training fasted just because I... I wake up so early, like I train at six o'clock. I mean, for some, this might not be that early, but for others it is. Um, I enjoy it, but I really don't. I have tried having some carbs beforehand. It just, it just doesn't work that well for me. I, however, if I wait until eight or nine o'clock or even 10 o'clock with my training, I have to have something beforehand. Um, nonetheless, uh, in most cases, you're going to benefit the most from your carbs around your training. So you want to have at least sort of 20 to 30 grams pre and post, or if you're only having one meal or like a larger meal post, and then, you know, 40 to 50 grams of carbs in that meal for most um, females, I'm going to say works really well. Men probably double those quantities depending on your height, your age and size, of course, but that's just like a rough gauge. Um, but yeah, you're really cutting yourself into your leg. It's kind of like a, an expression that we're saying in, in German. Um, if you're skimping on the carbs around your training, this is when your muscle cells are most receptive to using those for building muscle, for 
glycogen replenishment, your energy replenishment for all those recovery processes and where it's least likely to be stored as body fat. Whereas if you're um, not having the carbs around your training, you're probably going to recover more poorly. You're um, not going to feel as energized throughout the rest of the day. In saying that, of course, we don't want to have like a huge carb dump here. You know, some most women are probably going to feel a little bit lethargic if they have more than 70, 80 uh, grams of carbs, um, or maybe like even more, maybe 80 or 90 grams of carbs, um, simple carbs in a in a single sitting and then half an hour later or an hour later you're going to have that blood sugar drop and just really feel quite tired so we don't want that either but um, generally speaking around your training is a great time to be consuming carbs habit that might be holding you back number six thinking you can get by on five to six hours on average of sleep just because you quote-unquote feel fine or because it's always worked for you, or because you don't feel like you notice any um, differences, or maybe everyone in your family is doing it, maybe you've always done it. The truth is, statistically speaking, chances that you are one of those very rare individuals that really doesn't need more than or seven hours or more of sleep um, is like 0.1 or so percentage-wise. I'd forget the exact percentage, um, I'm going to have to look it up on Ma Matthew Walker's and uh, Matthew Walker's book or just in general. Um, but it's something around that. It's really a very, 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 very small percentage of the population that truly doesn't need seven hours of sleep or more. Um, if you're in that lower stage, because I can probably tell you that more than 50% of the people I would talk to that get little sleep, and they're going to be like, oh, but it's fine. I do fine on that. Um, I, you know, I feel okay. We often don't know how good we can feel or how good feels until we actually experience it consistently. And at first, it might actually, you might actually, if you increase your sleep, you might actually feel worse at first because it's kind of like when we start a reverse diet with people, sometimes they get hungrier. So it's more like you're sending your body a signal. You're giving your body a little pinky and it's trying to grab the whole hand. It's like, oh, okay, there is more sleep available. Um, you're still not giving me enough at six and a half hours or even at seven. I'd like seven and a half. And so it's like actually making, making you even more tired. But once you get through that after a few months or weeks ideally already, um, you're going to feel like a completely different baseline, mental sharpness. And if it's not for the benefits of like immediately or right then and there feeling better, um, even just knowledge, if you're a little bit research driven, if you're just a little bit um, incentivized by science, um, the research should encourage you to try and get that amount of sleep because there are countless studies on how um, beneficial sleep is for cognitive function, especially as we age, for how beneficial it is for recovery, for how beneficial it is for mental health, for mood. So don't I just want to encourage you not to believe that you're that rare little unicorn that defeats all the science that's out there. Yes, there are some outliers. Yes, there are exceptions to rules. And but chances that you're one of them, very, very small. I'm saying this from the kindness of my heart and also from a place of I have deprived myself of sleep for numerous years. 
I am like looking back now, I feel sad my for my past self. <laughs> when I was in that um, stage of life, I was just like, well, I don't have any option. I'm just battling through it. And um, I mean, I truly like I was trying to sleep more. I actually laid in bed and I just my body wouldn't allow me to sleep in the middle of the day after shift work or so. Um, and I'm still struggling with sleep. Like really, this is coming from a place of like, I'm, I'm telling myself that too. Although by now I am making sure I'm always permitting for eight hours of sleep opportunity. There might be four or five times a year where I don't get that. But aside from that, it's just become such a high priority because the more I read about it, the more I'm like, this needs to be a priority in order to live my healthiest, happiest life, performing at my best. Um, as boring as it might sound, as much of a hindrance as it may seem to our life from time to time. Um, and sometimes I go crazy. Like if I wake up at three or four o'clock in the morning and I can't go back to sleep, I do still try to force myself to stay in bed for at least an hour or two. And um, sometimes I get up you know, at 4.30, if I'm already really agitated after an hour and a half of just lying there, but at least I tried, okay, so instead of accepting, uh, well, you know, my sleep is crap, I might as well go to bed 11, and then count on waking up at 4.30 or so, or, or 5, no, I'm still trying to give my body that chance, that is what I would like to encourage you to, because I truly think um, it can help us, can help move you forward if you're not already doing that. Um, habit number four, uh, number four, number seven that we're on now that might be holding you back is um, not paying enough attention to the quality of protein or fiber that you're consuming. So, for example, um, some of the protein that you're consuming might be from collagen, might be from a bone broth, might be um, mostly from plant sources and so on. And while they're still... Um, good amino acids and still can contribute to a really uh, great overall protein profile, we don't just want to be relying on grains and vegetables and um, things like collagen for uh, for our, most of our protein. Um, let's say at least 60% of our protein should come from high-quality protein sources, in my opinion. So things like, um, of course, meat, fish, eggs, dairy, uh, if, if you choose. If you're more plant-based, still it will be things like soy protein or um, um, seitan or, or tofu, those kinds of things. And then complementing that with EAAs where necessary or just really double-checking, okay, do I have all my boxes checked in terms of amino acids and same with fiber especially nowadays a lot of things are advertised as higher fiber like even protein bars wraps that kind of stuff it's not the same quality of fiber that you get from just actual vegetables and fruit or um, avocado or in, in your grains so try to keep an eye on the quality and um, when it comes to protein and fiber point number eight which might be holding you back is only taking your supplements every now and then, <laughs> or not at all. Um, yes, we have some purists out there that prefer to consume as little or as few supplements as possible. Totally understand that. But once we've done a proper screening of like, okay, where do we still need to help out? The few that I recommend or that have been identified from by yourself, your healthcare professional, whatever, take them. Please support your body in our modern environment. Many things we just cannot 
or we just do not get um, as regularly or as consistently as is beneficial. We also don't just want to skip on the line of um, just enough or that's just going to kind of do. We want to err on the side of caution, not saying overdo it, over supplementing. That's not a great thing for many micronutrients either or for many scenarios either. Um, but saying that just because some days you might feel like, okay, I'm kind of getting magnesium from spinach and I had some almonds and then there was a little bit in this and that. Um, but are you eating that every single time? Are you just really hitting or every single day? Are you just hitting the bare minimum that's recommended or are you actually allowing your body to thrive? So please take your supplements regularly. If you identify that something is no longer needed, of course, cut it out. If you identify that something doesn't need to be taken in as high of a quantity or even frequency, there are certain supplements that, you know, it's fine to take every second day or once a week or so. Like sometimes vitamin D is an example for that, depending on how high your dosage is. But then there are others that really have the requirement to be taken every single day. Creatine is one of them because um, unless you're kind of old school and sort of um, cycling, which I don't necessarily recommend um, just because most people fall out of the habit and then it's harder to start back up and also in terms of bloating and digestion doesn't really help. But creatine is something it kind of works. It doesn't work like, oh, you take it once and then the next day your energy and your performance is better. It's it, your cells need to be, need to be or become saturated with it first before it has its quote unquote quote full effect. So that usually takes a couple of weeks, unless you're like actually loading and meaning like starting with a really high dosage and then tapering it off. But during that loading phase, oftentimes we feel really bloated and so on. And um, so I would say just start with a regular base, continue taking it for, and then after like three, four weeks, your muscle cells should be saturated. That's when you should be starting to feel um, good effects from it. Or sometimes we don't even feel anything from creatine. But again, this is something where we're thinking long term, kind of like brushing your teeth. You, Yes, okay, after you brush your teeth, they feel cleaner. Um, but it's not necessarily like you right away see the benefit of it. Whereas like with creatine, you're thinking long term or with the teeth, you might also be thinking long term in the sense of you want to prevent them from having cavities and falling out and whatnot. And with creatine, it's like we know it helps with cell replenishment, also cognitive function and all that. It's really um, one of the um, supplements that almost everyone is going to benefit from. And then the last habit that I want to mention that might be holding you back is simply consuming alcohol too frequently. Um, I don't want to demonize alcohol every now and then with a special event or even once or twice a week, a glass or two, absolutely fine. But there are people out there that, um, well, A, you might simply work it into your calories and think that that is absolutely fine. And for a period of time, that's probably going to work. But especially as women, if we're moving through perimenopause and menopause, that can still often come with a lot of issues or just make it harder to keep weight off and can pr present more uh, struggles for your body to clear out um, toxins and, and just in general help those, 
maintaining that hormonal balance, um, but also even at different ages or if you're a man, um, consuming alcohol on a maybe even daily basis. Some people like just with their dinner, they like to have a glass of wine or a beer or whatever um, on a consistent basis. This is not great. Remember, alcohol is a toxin um, and even if you work it into your calories, um, consistently having that in your system, your body's going to prioritize clearing that out over anything else, over your recovery, over your uh, metabolism, and of course, like letting go of body fat, etc. Um, so this might actually be a little bit of a um, breaking point for you or something. All these points, like in, in small, they might not seem like a big thing. Well, yes, the consistency part definitely is a big thing. Um, but all these other things, if you're like, well, I'm still, you know, hitting um, my calories most of the time. Yes, sometimes the bites and licks might add up a little bit more, or sometimes um, I might not time my carbs that well, or sometimes I might be sleeping less. Um, I'm still working a rough estimation of the dressings and sauces that are over my meals um, into the calories, so I don't see why I should take this on. I'm just saying all of them together can make a difference. All of them individually might make a difference for certain people too or in certain, like they can just move you the needle a little bit more. So if you're feeling like this is going slow or I am stuck or why am I taking two steps forward and one step backward, it just feels hard. Like all of these things, they could feel like it's a handbrake that's tightening and tightening and tightening and like you're still kind of moving, but it's just harder than it needs to be. Whereas if you're fine-tuning um, those little points that I just mentioned, um, it can actually make a really big difference. So yeah, maybe some of them resonated with you more than others. Um, I would still recommend going over all of them, each one of them in your mind, just kind of screening, uh, realistically screening what you're doing at the moment. Um, if you have any questions in regards to any of them, please don't hesitate to send me a message. I always like to hear back from you and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day don't forget to hit that share button or give me a review and um, thank you so much for listening thank you for tuning in if you enjoyed today's episode don't forget to subscribe leave a review or share the episode on social very much appreciated you can also follow us on instagram at nutrition coaching and life or head to our website www.nutritioncoachingandlife.com where we provide more valuable content. Have a wonderful day. Now go out and work on your best self.